Music is a way we experience our culture and a way we experience what it means to be Armenian. It is an integral part of our being and many will agree that it should be listened to more to enrich our love and pride for our Armenianness. From Komitas to Tikran Hamasyan, Armenian music is rich in emotion and history, plentiful, has evolved in countless ways, and continues to inspire generations of artists in the homeland and in the diaspora. What we have for you today is a very special episode, where we met with five young Armenian artists here in the Los Angeles area to ask them about their favorite Armenian song. We hope that in hearing these bright minds, you too will be inspired to go find the Armenian song that moves you the most. You're listening to Haituk Talks, the official podcast of the AYF West. I'm Gregory Balalian, and we're just a couple of Armenians talking in the world. A couple of Armenians talking in the world. Uh, think about it as a lullaby, but for me it's more like an Askain song. It's more like a um, like a yeah not, even for me like depending on it depends on how you look at it that's mm-hmm. why this this song is very special for me because sometimes if you hear it and you're like you want to cry yeah. and sometimes mm-hmm. you hear it you're like okay I want to go to Armenia and sometimes you hear it, you're like fuck this is revolutionary you know yeah. like so yeah. it, you can you can d- depending on how you what your mood is when you listen to this song it's like it hits you differently yeah. And and it does that every time I sing it. Depending on the crowd that I'm singing it, to, I'll be at a family event and I'll sing it. Everybody will be crying. I'm like, oh, you know, like it's a lullaby, and like oh, the kids are singing. Like my daughter loves this song. My older daughter, she she's you know the younger one is a year old, so she can't sing. But the older one, like every time I put it on, she or like I sing it, she sings along. Mm. And it's like, oh, it's cute. It's a lullaby, guka, like you know, patuk, this and that. So it's like, oh, it's cute. And then I I sing it at a family event. It's more like a Askayan song, you know, yeah. like where singing it and everyone's like oh yeah Hayastana Garotsa this and that and then you sing it at an AYF event everyone's like everyone's singing along you know like you know shoulder shoulder <laughs> yeah shoulder yeah. shoulder like okay yeah. this is kind of revolutionary like they want to like sing like something and then towards the end we up the beat or something like that my name is Terokri Korean. I am um, an attorney. I am uh, a singer. Um, so I don't know which one's full time, which one's part time, depending on the day, depending on the weekend. I'm a father. <laughs> I'm a husband. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I try uh, to be everywhere at all times. Um, my favorite Armenian song, uh, growing up, um, and until today, uh, when I sing it, when I listen to it, it's Lernet Haydeni. Why is this your favorite Armenian song? So, for me, Lerner Haireni, it's it's like almost a diaspora and dream, you know. So every time I listen to that song, every time I sing that song, I um, picture myself uh, in uh, the homeland, and uh, and I always mention this, especially when I sing it to a crowd. Uh, when I say homeland. Uh, I don't. I say homeland. I don't say just Armenia because for me it's like Armenia, Artsakh, 
Nakhichevan, Javakh. It's the homeland. It's like the mountainous Armenia, the mountainous homeland that we've known. Uh, when I sing Leonard Haydn, that's that's where I imagine myself. And um, you know, we kind of discuss that all the time. We recently discussed it as well. It's like a, a little bit of everything with this song. It's like a lullaby. It's a revolutionary song, depending on your mood, depending on the crowd, depending what you feel like where, while you know you're singing and listening to the lyrics. So it's. All the above, it checks all the boxes for me. So, um, mountain mountains are a like a central theme of the song. Um, in particular, uh, to you, what do what do the mountains mean? Homeland, again, everything mm. about that song, every single time I listen to it, it's it's the homeland. And, and you close your eyes and you listen to the lyrics, Vazelem Hoknel Tser Lancherum Yes. So, you know, you're running through the mountains of your homeland, and um, uh, that's why uh, we call it mountainous. We, we call it our mountainous homeland. Uh, every time we speak about the Lerner, the mountains, uh, we think of our homeland. So that's what it means for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's an English translation in one of the lyrics. It says, uh, in my veins, there is a strength of the motherland. You know, you, you, when you're listening to the song, you you really feel like your connection, you know, to, to the motherland, to the homeland. Um, and it's... Uh, it's a feeling that you know you can't really describe with um, with like non-Armenian songs. You know, there's no there's no connection like that. That's that that part is basically exactly what I was talking about. Depending on the lyrics where you get, especially when you get to that part, yeah. uh, you know, that's like that's like freaking revolutionary as it gets, you know. Absolutely. So so that's where like you know, start with the lullaby, and then by the time towards the end, you get to the last uh, you know verse or those lyrics, you're like, shit, you know, it's this this deep, this strong. Yeah. Um, so when did you first uh, learn about the song or hear it? I heard this song at a very, very young age. Um, I grew up in Syria, in Aleppo, Syria. So uh, for us over there, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I don't know if you guys have family from the Middle East or, you know, in the diaspora in, the, in that area in general, we grew up listening to Askain songs, uh, you know, revolutionary songs. When I started listening to Askain songs, um, um, I used to listen to Levon Katerjian, George uh, Tutunjian, um, you know, and eventually it was just Karnik, all Karnik. You know, Karnik mm-hmm. growing up was just my hero. I wanted uh, to learn all the songs that he was singing. Every time he would be in the area, whether in Lebanon or Syria, I would, you know, go sit in the front. They, I was that little kid that was just like waving <laughs> at Karnik and and uh, trying to get his attention and and uh, sing, you know, the songs with him. So I learned it, I think, from Karnik. You know, Unger uh, Karnik's uh, voice was just, you know, obviously it's very soothing and and uh, it just hits the spot uh, every single time you listen to that song with 
when he sings it. So I learned it from him at a very young age. <laughs> So we uh, we all know that uh, you also have um, a cover of the song, um, and you said Kadnik um, is your inspiration. Um, would you say that his version is what you kind of uh, is your favorite out of all of them? <laughs> <laughs> so you okay? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing that. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that, uh, nobody can do it as good as Kodnik. Mm. Uh, so we put that aside. I love my version. Mm. Uh, you know, what, what Ara Dabanjan and I have done with, uh, the Armenian Askine and Revolutionary songs is that, you know, Ara's, uh, element band influence mm. has, uh, you know, you can see that in our albums and covers that we've done and even the original that we've done. Uh, so we've, we've taken basically all the songs, including Leonard Haydani and and Ara has taken the whole song apart and, and rearranged it with different kind of taste to it and we've recorded it like that. So part of our um you know idea was to make the Armenian songs, especially those songs, uh kind of uh in a different way uh and give it a different flavor mm. to make sure that the youth keeps on listening yeah. to it. Yeah. Um and you know, it's it, I think my version is a good version too. <laughs> nice, very good. Uh, so the recording process, um, who came first? Was it Ara that came to you or uh, was it you? So we were, Ara and I were introduced by a mutual friend a while back. Um, we've done some other projects together before getting, you know, starting this duo. Um, I've performed with Element a number of times, uh, but it was just like, you know, as a guest uh, singer here and there at their events. Uh, but at one point, you know, I just looked at Ara and I said, you know what, I just strictly want to do Askayan songs. If you're uh, interested, uh, you know, uh, I was at the time, I was doing like vocal training. I was, you know, trying to learn how to play the guitar. So it was a lot of moving pieces. I wanted to establish myself as a musician uh, rather than just a singer that gets on stage and sings. So it was it was a combination of all that. And Ara saw the improvement and he was like, okay, uh, you know, let's try a few things. So we yeah. put an EP album together. It was four songs. It was uh, obviously Lerner Haydani was the first one. Garmir Gagachner, the second one. Uh, we did Khanusitz um, Kalov uh, mm-hmm. and we did Arakini uh, Tashnak Zagan. So those four songs, we put it on an EP, just like, almost like raw uh, unedited and we just put it out there to see the reaction and everybody loved it we started getting called to like a lot of events and Mm. you're like okay maybe we should record an entire album yeah and that's what we did it's a beautiful album i I, I listen to it frequently actually yeah i'm a big fan of it thank you um so for somebody who wants to start learning um how to sing these on songs um what do you recommend, uh, or I should say, what's the best advice you can give them to um, kind of um, get into learning it or uh, what to focus on um, while learning these songs? Well, as much as I would tell people, you know, listen to everything, I, you know, I, even for me, uh, growing up and listening to those Askayan songs, Hewapoagan songs, I, I've listened to a lot of different artists, uh, you know, 
uh, I love Mersik, Arapo, Karnik, George Tutinjan, Levon Katerjan, uh, Maratuk, you know, like uh, all the old school, uh, you know, Askayan singers as well. But eventually it comes down to like finding that, you know, sweet spot. You know, you're, you're, you're going to get this like couple of either like this artist or a couple of albums that you're going to start listening to. And it's going to be like an inspiration, you know, like a lot of times something happens. A lot of people I know, uh, you know, I can tell from like, you know, my uh, even on the back end of like uh, YouTube or uh, Spotify and, you know, all of that, you know, Abril Kassanchors comes and like everybody's like starting to listen to us mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, unfortunately during, uh, you know, the Baderas and the Artsakh War, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, you know, insp- uh, inspired and they were listening to Askine songs. You know, sometimes that's how it starts. You know, something uh, happens or you go yeah. to AYF camp and you come back, you're like, okay, well, you know, we learned this song and I want to find an album with it. And then you start listening to the album and like, oh, this song is cool too. Um, and that's what we were trying to do with the album. We were trying to make it a little different. So as opposed to the traditional, uh, you know, Askine songs, we just tried to give it a different vibe because we've seen how element has touched a lot of people yeah. with their style of like look old uh you know folk armenian songs and they brought it and uh kind of like in a different taste yeah. so we tried to do the same thing with the Askine and Hapogam music uh so my advice would be just like give it a listen everything yeah. anything uh and then you're going to find something there's no way there are a lot of good artists out there Absolutely. you're going to find some album that you're going to be like you know what i can listen to this again when you get to that point that you listen to a song and then say you know what let me listen to it one more time when you put that song on repeat then that's your cue that that artist that style or that album is what you need to say yeah absolutely <laughs> um so i was um it was a, f- a few months ago we were up at uh ayf camp and um we were um it was time for the kids to learn um the song of the weekend uh and so a kind of a good way to get these kids to you know really get into learning the song was to tell them that it's you, it's okay to feel these emotions you know we we're still suffering um i mean not suffering no. yeah. we're still uh recovering from you know uh the Arsakh war in 2020 ongoing um and sometimes these kids don't know how to deal with these emotions and just singing these songs and and feeling it in your heart, you know, where these songs come from is, is such a big key to understanding, you know, how to sing these and um, how to convey your emotions through these songs. It's 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 another. Yeah. It, you know, and also it has to do what they've been uh, you know, taught, you know, and at home, even if they don't listen to it all the time. Um, and that's how like even with my kids, I don't necessarily, you know, sit them down and say, you know what, Hima. You're right now, we're going to listen to this song and we're mm. going to sing it. I never do that. I just will always have it in the background. And not, uh, you know, like, I and I try to even uh, introduce a lot of different kinds of music, a lot of different genres, mm-hmm. uh, anything. So once once you start doing that, I think uh, when you're, when the new generation grows up with, like, a lot of different music in their head, they'll have taste. Yeah. And that's that's what, what was missing. Like, in the, there's a big generational gap that everyone's listened to, uh, listen to pop music but they don't listen to Askayan songs not because they don't 
don't like it, not because mm-hmm. the music is not good. It's just like there was that generational gap over there that you know their parents even didn't care about listening to it. Yeah. Um, so now it's all gone. Everybody, everybody listens to everything. Yeah. And you have you know like uh, look at the artists uh, all over the world, especially in Armenia. Yeah. All the pop singers, they're actually singing Oskar's songs. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have like somebody, uh, you know, like a. F- famous pop singer just goes up and starts singing Gamavur. Yeah. You know, like that's cool. That's that's amazing. That's that that you know when I see that I I get I get emotional. I'm like, yeah. yeah, sing that too because you know, you have a good voice not just like to sing in a music video in Miami on a boat, you know, of you course, can actually yeah. sing that song too and like you can rock it. So it's yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, music should bring um a certain emotion to people. Uh it should be you know, food for thought. Um so I definitely agree with you there. So, Toro, um, do you have a particular lyric that resonates with you in the song or any particular section? Lennon Hayden, we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 we've been talking about a lot of different things. Uh, yeah, Lennon Hayden, I mean, um, the entire song. I don't know if I could say a specific part of the song that, or like, you know, the lyrics that resonates with with me but um even from the start of the song like mm-hmm. the first the beginning of the song Achinchkan Inchkan Garo Delem says yeah you know like uh, I miss it like every single day we grew up missing the homeland we yeah. grew up missing Armenia we grew up uh you know wanting to be there um so for me it's it starts there and and we were talking about it earlier like it starts as like almost a lullaby and then it goes to kind of like the Askine vibe and then eventually you know power I feel the power in my veins that's like you know the revolutionary aspect of it you know yeah. we're we're you know our, us Armenians we turn everything into like you know kind of revolutionary right yeah. like even like any other song that you sing, the way you sing it, the the arokanu tune or like the, the the genre or the way you pronounce the words, you can make any song revolutionary if yeah. you want to. Yeah. Um, that's why you know, like sometimes I listen. The other day I was singing uh, as a lullaby, putting you know my kid to sleep. I was singing Zarti Lao. <laughs> you nice. know, like if you sing it like in a mellow way, it's <laughs> like. You know, and and she was falling asleep, and then you sing Zarti Lao the way we hear it in Armenia. They're singing on the streets. That's like, okay, I want to be there. I want to yeah. chant with them. I want to walk with them. So it's 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 that's the beauty of Armenian songs, and that's the beauty of Leonard Haydn that you can go from the beginning to to the end, and um, depending as I said earlier, the mood and the audience, and and even the singer, uh, you can deliver it a certain way, and yeah. you can you know you can make whatever you want out of it. Hey, you know, I realized is like what's crazy is when I was younger and I'm listening to this song and I feel it, but I'd never been to Armenia. You know, like I never yeah, gone yeah. there. Yeah. But somehow the songs are able to make you feel like you've been there for a hundred years and leaving and you come back. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, that's the power of that these these songs, especially if you've done it right. Yeah. Especially when it's your mom, it's late at night and they're signing this Kichmakashvads and gets your emotions going. <laughs> yeah, my four year old niece, um we you know, we've been playing all these Armenian songs for her. Uh she really loves uh uh Arsio Kovkin and yeah. she's there like play go. uh she's like play the Hayastan song, play the Hayastan song. Yeah, that's like, awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll play it for you. Uh but um that's one of your top songs yeah. right now, huh? Yeah, fun, fun fact about Artyo Govkiren. While we were recording it, Ara and I, Artyo Govkiren, it was during the summer of 2018. Um, I'm not sure now. But um, so we were recording it and we were doing it. 
and I'm just doing the chant, you know, like Artyog of Kiran, hey. And Ara's like, okay, so do hey, and then we'll record like another like five, six hey's, mm. and then we'll make it like, you know, like loud. And I'm sitting there, he's like, and then Ara looked at him, he's like, you know what would be cool if they were like a group of kids, you know, doing the hey right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? My friend is right now the director at AYF Camp. Let me just shoot him a text. So I got a call. I'm not going to name the name. But uh, I'm like, can you, are you guys doing like, you know, are you guys going to arts and crafts or something? Are you guys doing something there? Are you guys going to do like a, the, the song practice? He's like, yeah, actually, we're going to do it in like an hour. I'm like, how about this? Uh, let me send you this track. And if you can just like get the kids to sing Artyog of Kiran and just like record when they say, hey. He's like, okay. So he sent it to me and he sent it back. And we obviously tried to clean it as much as possible, the background noise. And, uh, and that's what we used in the song. So the, the, in the song, the, the, the haze is uh, a wife camp kids oh, at a wife camp. That's beautiful. Does I love that. Know, you think? I mean, Probably not. Yeah, they're going to listen to this. They're going to be one day. But I'm not going to say what week. Uh, I should have, shouldn't have said the year either. But they're not going to know what week, when. Um, I mean, they sing Artur Govkin all the time, so no one's going to find out. Just keep the kids thinking, oh, maybe it was me. <laughs> keep listening to it. <laughs> Նրանց մեջ ներկած սերով պուղթավով, արդյոգով կեր է, ինչ կդրիչներ է, մասիսը վգա, հայոց կաչեր են հեր։ Alright, um, so before you leave us today, Tero, um, do you have any words of inspiration uh, to, leave, to leave us with, um, or uh, do you have any things you can plug that you're working on these days? I'm working on a lot of originals. Um, when we when we did the album, Ara and I, we uh, wanted to cap it off with like you know some one original song at least, and and the name of the album is Hide and Yeras, and it's that original that uh, I've I've written the r- lyrics for that, and it's literally about my hide any dream. It's like the 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 dream of like the perfect ideal Armenia homeland Artsakh that I see um, you know pure skies and like everybody united all those things and if you listen to the lyrics that's that's basically the idea behind it and um it, it the inspiration for those, that kind of song uh has come from like uh, the likes of Rupen Hachverdian and mm. Artur Meshian cuz uh, again i um in recent years i've been listening to a lot of Artur and Rupen mm. uh, as you can see from my album i have some of their songs in there but um yeah, we're working on a lot of originals. Um, there's nothing in particular that you know I can share. Um, mm-hmm. w- what we do is I have a lot of poems that I write and I, you know, share it with Ara and we go around, you know, and and we share some kinds of ideas when it comes to music and um, whatever kind of makes sense and fits. We start yeah. working on that and recording it. So there's gonna be some originals coming out soon hopefully uh with work and family it's it's very tough to mm-hmm. record but uh we'll do our best yeah. but um inspiration wise i mean i say this at all the events that i'm part of that 
you know, I sing or perform or even like speak, my my advice is to my generation, to, to the younger generation, is is we got a lot of work to do, and uh, it doesn't matter how to do it, how you do it, how you choose the avenue that you choose to do it. Um, do something, mm-hmm. anything, absolutely. You know, like uh, it, it could be as simple as. I don't know, joining the ASA, joining uh, some organization, um, or an organization, joining an organization, regardless which organization you choose, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a great tool, it's a great avenue for you to give back to your to your uh, yeah. to your people, to your homeland. Um, but that's that's the only thing I can say. Listen, you know, as to Armenian music, obviously, um, you know, uh, support uh, everything Armenian, um, and just. Do something, do something, absolutely. absolutely. Do something. You have to do something, and whatever you do, always keep also one thing in mind. Um, you know, uh, as most of my songs and and uh, lyrics refer to um, the Armenian soldier. You know, at the end of the day, our park, our badiv, our um, everything. We owe everything to our soldiers yeah. uh, defending our homeland and Mersahmanera. Uh, so. Uh, our borders so we we should always have them in mind and again and again do something go out there and do something My name is Lara Sarkisian. I'm a sound artist, electronic composer, DJ, and broadcaster. My favorite Armenian song is Aragevorkian's Artashat. Lara, thank you for coming on to the uh, podcast. Uh, I just wanted to open up by asking, why is this your favorite Armenian song? The reason why is because, well, one, I was I became familiar with Gevorkian's work um, as a student in Armenian school because we were very mm-hmm. familiar with his song Artsakh. Yeah. And we used to have you know a dance ensemble and dance classes. We had a particular dance we would do to that song. Um, but Ara Gevorkian specifically does a very, in a very talented way, kind of meshes old Armenian sounds and folk instruments and instrumentation and Armenian instruments that are either indigenous to the region or are regional instruments, um, meshes that along with more contemporary and modern sounds and kind of creates this very like cinematic atmosphere. Absolutely. Very dramatic and, um, brings elements of like dance and electronic, um, where even older generations who are familiar with kind of traditional sounds are even into what he turns it into. But, um, but also brings these newer generations, um, you know, in on his music. So I think it's kind of like bringing these, you know, it's a very intergenerational sound to yeah. me. I was listening to a lot of his discography, actually, and uh, I noticed there's a trend with, especially one album that um, each track was um, 
uh, a name of an ancient Armenian city. Uh, and I think around this time where he started composing these songs, uh, there's kind of a revival between traditional Armenian and new Armenian. That, that mesh, as you said, is, is such a beautiful thing, uh, especially for like post-Soviet, where people were really um, kind of getting their culture back, in a sense. Yeah, and like when I think about Armenian music, I mean, by definition, Armenian music is music that comes from Armenian highlands that dates yeah. back centuries, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, it reflects the landscape. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's so, it's a sound that's specific to those lands and that region and nothing could replace that, yeah. right? So it's like the instruments of Shavi and Duduk that are woodwinds, Shavi meaning whistle, yeah. right? And Duduk also woodwind. I mean, I think non-Armenians kind of associate it with like a flute for both of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think about it as music that's kind of like playing in a meadow and kind of mm-hmm. reflecting kind of like the open meadows of Armenia. That's what I think yeah. about. And then if you think about Zurna, that's the woodwind that has this piercing loud sound. It's almost like it's made for the mountains. Like, like it's you play made it from the mountaintops. Yeah, so. it's like it's yeah. made to be heard from the mountains, yeah, right? That's awesome, yeah. And, of course, there's kanun, which is a string instrument, mm-hmm. I believe 24 strings. Um, it's kind of a very pretty, shimmering sound. And mm-hmm. Ara Gevorkian does such an amazing job in bringing that traditional sound, specific sound of Armenian music and layering it with, you know, heavy synthesization. And, um, you know, he's known to be, like, behind the keyboard on the synthesizer, you know, layering with different electronic textures and, um, yeah, like, creating this kind of environment. But I was actually curious if, uh, within Aragevorkian's compositions, do you have a, do you have a favorite kind of sound that he has? Yeah. So in Artashat, he starts off the track in a very like you almost think it's gonna be this like '80s like <laughs> synth like funky track, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, he opens in a very like yeah ambient kind of like synth heavy, and then it rolls into this very like dance dance heavy beat that's kind of what we're familiar with in like mm-hmm. more of like 90s dance yeah i, I was thinking like, like oh. the, the opening of the song almost sounds like a like a 90s beach club exactly thing, you know? yeah yeah and you're like wow like what is he doing here <laughs> but then immediately rolls into traditional what we know of like as traditional armenian dance you know yeah. um dance beat and um and that's what i mean with how he's so good at bringing together i mean Armenian music also referring to, like, actual dance rituals mm-hmm. and, like, that kind of tradition and how he brings into what we know in contemporary yeah. life as dance music. So, Absolutely. Do you, yeah. Yeah, do you think... Um, where, do, where, I was actually, where do you think um, this kind of 
newer dance influence came from? Is it maybe from like uh, like the Russian odd boss, as they say, or uh, is it from like European techno beats? Uh, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, to, you know? to me, it sounded more of like the yeah European techno or like trance mm-hmm. or like you know kind of Y2K yeah. kind of <laughs> electronic dance yeah. kind of beat. Yeah. Cool. And it's also the instruments he's using. I mean, he's using these classic like synthesizers too. So it's yeah. like what he has access to. Um, mm-hmm. I think that as well. Yeah. also sent over um two versions live versions of the song where um one was in australia right uh where he incorporated a didgeridoo and the other was in lebanon correct yeah both in wrong. yeah both in syria and in lebanon he had the arabic uh, tabla I think it's really cool how uh, each country he went to, he would incorporate that national instrument. I, I adore that. Um, and I actually do try to do that with my own songs, kind of if there's a certain style that I'm playing and I, I'll put in a certain instrument that I, I think is res- uh, um, reminiscent of you know a sound of this certain country or style. You know, and it's also like he was so ahead of his time, if you think about it, as far as like... Um it's like paying respect to the local culture and to the local musicians, inviting them in, introducing to them to, them to Armenian music, and also being like, hey, you could be a part of this. Mm-hmm. And especially the Aboriginal, um, yeah, didgeridoo player, um, that instrument, didgeridoo, being this also indigenous, dates thousands of years mm-hmm. back, like woodwind instrument. Um, and kind of blending that with like old Armenian instruments and kind of, it's, I don't know, it's very symbolic. It's beautiful. And like he did that in 2006. Like it's kind of amazing. Yeah. 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 Say something? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> get it. Like, honestly, Armenians are like such connectors to different people in different parts of the world. I mean, obviously, because of having to settle mm-hmm. after genocide in different parts of the world, but um, there's just something so specific in Armenian music and the sound in our music that so many people could relate emotionally. Yeah. Like, the different like narratives like i feel like so many yeah even like with my music i do sample a lot of duduk and manipulate it very heavily mm-hmm. and kind of synthesize armenian instruments but non-armenian listeners don't know like oh what armenian music is right but yeah. they're just like oh this is something sounds really familiar and like like deep and yeah i mean i don't know uh, good example is like uh like holy mountains for example by system of a down right they're talking about the genocide they're talking about the the suffering our homeland has gone through and yet so many non-armenians resonate with that and it's such a cool and emotional thing to you know kind of it kind of makes you feel seen in a way you know i I really i really love that um so lala do you have a favorite instrument uh whether it's armenian or non-armenian 
Yeah, so in my production, I make very experimental um, electronic dance. I call it, yeah, left field electronic music. And I do use duduk pretty heavily. Um, a lot of times people don't know it's that instrument or what exactly it is. Yeah. But I manipulate the sound so heavily where it almost sounds like a synth or... Mm-hmm. It's a, I mean, duduk is a very lyrical instrument. Yeah. It sounds like a voice, especially when you pitch it up and down. It's such an, uh, like an emotionally, uh, like, capable instrument you know, in, in right. a way, you know it, um like a, like you know how you do like bends on a guitar you can get emotion out of it that's like that's what i see out of a duduk you know it's really yeah. cool yeah i was wondering what you know music often makes people feel emotions right mm-hmm. and there's a reason why people are attached to a certain song um i was wondering what type of emotion does this bring out in you I think this song in particular in Artashat, um, it's only five minutes, mm-hmm. but he does such an incredible job in running through so many different emotions or rhythms and melodies that do show up in Armenian music and what yeah. we know is Armenian music across genres. Um, and that's moments of the celebratory feeling. I think it was like three minutes and the zurnas kind of come in, everything cuts out. Um, and of course, like the dohol drums and kind of these like elements of dance and like, mm-hmm. yeah, like celebration. But then the beginning where it's kind of like this journey where you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like it did a great job. Yeah. And going varying emotions and kind of taking you in, but also like ending it in on a note that's like very um, hopeful. Yeah. yeah, super hopeful. And it, it kind of shows, um, showcases the resilience of Armenians, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way about um, the, his song Arsa. Yeah. Where yeah. Um, before the the current uh, situation we're in with Artsakh, when we did have those lands, majority of them, um, hearing that song is just like, it, it makes you feel strong, you know, it makes mm-hmm. you feel so proud mm-hmm. um, to have Artsakh, even still, even still, you know, uh, um, even even though we're facing these this crisis today, um, you still feel proud of that, that attachment with the, that land, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think he does such a great job in, I mean, his performance is everything, mm-hmm. right? And he holds space on this massive stage where he has like all these performers across generations. Like he'll bring children who are playing the drums. Oh, nice. Um, That's amazing. Or like also, I remember there's a music video he did recently in Yerevan and the song is called Yerevan. And like, he has like all these young, like, women who are common players and mm. and but like on stage like that presence of all like a massive amount yeah. of like this ensemble right yes, he and was. he's just behind the keyboard yeah. like yeah you know, I, that's what, also what i love about him is that commanding um, it all yeah, yeah he's he's just there by, by behind a keyboard as you said and he's kind of 
showcasing the, the other musicians more than himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that's a really cool cool little aspect about him. Have you ever seen Aragi working live? No, yeah. They never brought him to SF. My mom was supposed to bring... Because my mom works for Hamazgain. Mm. And then for a while, I was, like, programming for them. And I, like, ran their, like, subcommittee for, like, younger people mm. and stuff. And she was doing a lot of programming of, like, music and performance. And, like, nice. I remember they tried bringing him. I think it was, like, a visa problem at the time. I don't know. This is, like, in 2000. Okay, um, cool. Lara, thank you again so much for coming onto the podcast. Uh, it was a great conversation. Uh, before you leave us, uh, can you tell the audience what you're up to these days? Is there anything to plug? And if you have any words of inspiration, go ahead and tell them. Yeah, so I'm actually in the middle of writing an album. <laughs> Um, I've had EPs out, but this is going to be my first like full length um, on vinyl, um, oh, yeah. nice. and it's going to be an electroacoustic album, obviously heavily dance electronic, but it's going to run through different subgenres of electronic and kind of have influence from like post rock and like mm. drone and like obviously incorporating. I'm like programming different Armenian instruments. Oh, nice! And the kanun and taking influence um obviously from our new music beautiful so yeah i'm krista marina i'm an artist writer and producer and my favorite armenian song is oror Welcome back to High Tuk Talks podcast. Um, Thanks, Craig. As a guest this time, how does it feel to be on the <laughs> opposite end? Uh, it does. It is a new feeling. Um, yeah, usually I, I used to be the one asking questions, and I definitely do miss it a lot. Um, I would continue it forever if I could, if time permitted and work permitted. Season three. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back at some point for sure. Yeah. Awesome. But you're you're doing great, Greg. You're doing awesome. Thanks. So, Krista, uh, why is this your favorite Armenian song? For many reasons. Um, also, when I say my favorite, like that will likely change within the hour. But in this very hour that you asked me, it is Oror. And it's my favorite because it's a song that brings peace to people. And that's something I always want to be doing, especially for people that I care about, especially for people who are desperately looking for it in some way, shape, or form. And it makes me feel at peace singing it. When did you first discover this song? I knew the song as a child. My grandma would sing it. Um, but I feel like I rediscovered it during the war um, in 2020. I heard it somewhere. I don't remember where I was. And it came It came on. Maybe a friend played it or something. And I remember the line, um, Kuna Dani. 
And immediately I thought of the soldiers that we were losing, the children whose, whose you know, fathers or parents were um, passing away, being killed. And I posted a cover of it on Instagram. And that's when I saw that people did resonate with the sense of peace that it brought and like sort of connecting the idea of sleeping at peace with death and wishing that these people who are dying from painful deaths, wishing them some peace in that journey up away from earth. Yeah. I mean, um, as you said, Orod is like a comfort song. You always think of uh, lullabies as being for kids, mm-hmm. for little, you know, little kids. I mean, my little niece hears that song a lot uh, before she goes to sleep and, you know, she just knocks out like that. <laughs> but um, honestly, as adults listening to it, it kind of, it does bring that sense of comfort to you. Um, but yeah, um, from, you know, the kids uh, not being scared of the monsters anymore, uh, maybe it'll bring the soldiers comfort uh, from the reality of war. Yeah, which is definitely monstrous for sure. Exactly. I also got a lot of messages after the fact, not only from people listening to it throughout the war, but also from people, (laughs) from parents reaching out saying that this was, the song was a lifesaver for (laughs) helping, you know, put their kids to sleep too. So I was happy to hear that. Absolutely. It helped in both ways. So uh, would you say this was um, one way of yours to contribute to the effort during the Arsakh War? It was. I think music in general. I did as many like shows, live streams, fundraisers as I could. Um, I don't know. I don't know the exact count. It must have been like around twenty when the war first happened. And still, if people reach out, I'm always you know wanting to help in that regard and in any way I can. But um, definitely was a like channel through which I was able to contribute. I think. Absolutely. Um, so we were talking earlier about um, you. F- you found the. Um, great-granddaughter of the person who wrote the song, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I had posted that cover on Instagram, and um, this woman named Talar Palanjan messaged me, saying, you know, she loves the cover, and basically saying that her great-grandfather composed Oror. And I was mind-blown, because I remember looking up the original composer and the writer, and I couldn't find anything about it. And um, I reached out to her, I said, you know, I said, no way, that's amazing. I asked you know, if he has the lyrics still, if he still has the original notes. And apparently her great-grandfather, his name was um, Parcel Ganachian, created the music and the melody, and Zaru Kabakian wrote the lyrics. And just hearing the names of the people who said it was remarkable, and she said that her grandmother would look over all of his records and recordings after he passed away. And I asked her if she has the original, she said she has to find a CD player first, um, but that she would send it to me when she can, so... It was really a cool full circle for sure. That's pretty unbelievable. Um, just knowing that you know we could find some connection to the songwriter for such a you know huge uh, Armenian song in our culture, um, especially because a lot of these songs we don't know who wrote them. Yeah, exactly. And they're yeah. they're they've been so foundational in our culture for centuries, for generations that. You know, it's hard to find the original creator from a Google search. You have to find it through word of mouth. You yeah. think that's the only way. Besides, you know, like, obviously, Gomida's songs. Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, that begs, begs the question, could somebody, you know, start going out and finding all these songs and these songwriters? I think it'll do our culture a huge justice. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I wonder if there is some type of database out there that someone has that just maybe they haven't shared. Okay, so um, having played with you a bunch, um, I know that your songs bring that same feeling of comfort. Um, and does Oror, I guess I want to ask, does Oror have that same familiarity that you put into your songs, if you, if you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it definitely does. I think everything I create is therapeutic in some way, whether I'm trying to create therapy for someone else imagining what someone else may be going through or creating it for myself. In this situation, it was definitely both of those. Um, I remember sitting down at the piano learning the song during the war. Um, and I got, I remember I got emotional, obviously practicing it. Um, and so absolutely it, it, it is in line with everything I create, which is that feeling of therapy. But this song in particular, because it's a lullaby, um, has that added element of peacefulness. Like that's, that's what, it was meant to do for people and I'm glad that I was able to be another channel through which that song gets to continue existing. As Armenian creators, I think you can't help but to put, you know, your influ- your Armenian influences into your, you know, Western music. Um, I think during the war, um, I was listening to a lot of, like, Hekapakagan music, um, and more somber ones, like, um, like Odaruchun. Yeah. Um, and I would, I went and learned them, like you did. Um, it was very emotional, yeah. It was a very um, cathartic thing, as well. Uh, just kind of sitting down and um, coping with that. We're very lucky. That trauma. We're very lucky to have this outlet. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, the first song of my song a month series I did last year, "Call," was inspired by the war. Really. And I was lucky to get Jivan Gasparian Jr. to play on it. And like when I listen to it back now, anytime I hear it anywhere, it takes me directly back to how I felt during the war. Is there a single lyric in the song that resonates with you or you have a deep connection with? The other thing about this song is that it's saying, Anushis kundur, paits inzi al kundur. You know? Like, give this person rest and peace and sleep, but also give it to me. And I, I interpret that to mean, like, if this person is to go to sleep, let me go, you know, to rest with them. Essentially saying, if they, in the context of how I created it, you know, if they are to pass away, let me go with them. So you first uploaded this video to Instagram, right, with the cover? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, tell me a little about, a little bit about the, um, the process of like, uh, how it became an, uh, an actual song that you released. 
So I posted the cover on Instagram dedicating it to the soldiers. I want to say like in late September um, of 2020. And... A lot of people resonated with it, you know, it got a lot of um, traction on Instagram, and I wasn't sure if I was going to release a full version, even though a lot of people were asking for one, until Armenia Fund reached out asking that I perform a full version um, to help raise money. And I thought, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to help, you know, contribute in any way that I can. And so I performed it for Armenia Fund, um, and it was a very quick turnaround, like within a week, I think max, you know, we got, we set up everything. Um, and that was that. I, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to create the full version and that it continues to help create that. It continues to help serve that purpose for Armenians and other people, um, even as we look back on the war. And, you know, obviously we're still struggling today, struggling with the remnants of the war um, in many ways. Like, that's a brutal understatement. But I'm glad the song exists in a proper recorded form. Yeah. So, Krishna, thank you so much for sharing this story with um, our listeners and I. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And um, just want to close out with asking, is there anything going in, on in your life? And uh, is there, are there any new projects that we should be looking forward to? There are always things to look forward to. Currently, I am releasing um, an album with Beiru called Diaspora Dreams. Um, and that's the name of our duo. We've had two singles out so far that I truly, truly love. And I can't wait for y'all to hear the full project because it just warms my soul. Hi, my name is Daron Sasunyan. I run Rocky Hill Records. I'm a DJ, producer, selector, record collector, Armenian proud armenian <laughs> and uh what's your favorite song ah right <laughs> uh my favorite song as of late is zarti lao uh but by the rendition of um by uh levon katerjan <laughs> Daron, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast, High Talk Talks. Um, just want to open up this interview by asking why is Zastilao your favorite Armenian song? First and foremost, thank you for considering me and having me. I really appreciate this, guys. Thank you so much. Um, shout out High Talk Talks. <laughs> And uh, yeah, this has been my favorite song as of late um, due to all of the unfortunate things that have been unfolding in our homeland, in Armenia, in Artsakh, and even the diaspora. Um, the Armenian nation, in my opinion, is hurting very much and is going through an existential crisis um, that I've never experienced before. Yeah. Um, so on that note, uh, I think politics uh, just plays a huge part in specifically Armenian music. Uh, would you say it serves as a pretty good reminder of what to fight for? Yeah, whether it's political or existential or national, um, politics does take a role or form 
in some things, yeah. in many things, um, sometimes unfortunately, sometimes fortunately. In this case, it's very fortunate, if you ask me, yeah, because there is a group of people um, that firmly believe that they are the last bastion standing in front of or facing a traitorous, downright disgusting group of individuals that have sabotaged our people and our entire nation. Hmm. And how does the song connect to that? And the song that I have chosen um, connects with that um, because the song itself, Zarti Lao, is a wake-up call, ironically, because hmm. it's sung like a lullaby yeah. um, for the past almost 130 years. Um since 1893 or 1894 so it's been almost 130 years that it's been around um and it serves as a national cry um and a wake-up call um for people to literally yeah to wake up and to call to arms yeah it's almost like a wake up and smell the coffee like this is not a joke this is this is not this is not a game yeah this is existential it's existential it's not political um, politicians obviously are involved, but politicians are humans, and they face the same existential crisis yeah. as we do, and yeah. as the common people do. Yeah, completely agree with you there. Um, so, just give us a backstory of what Zasti Lao is about, um, and uh, we talked a little about how it connects to today's uh, climate in Armenia. Uh, maybe you can just dive a little bit into that yeah. a little more. Sure. Sartilao was uh, written in the 1890s, I, 1893 or 1894, if I'm not mistaken, after the tragic death of the Fedai Arapo. Um, Arapo was a major national figure um, from Mush and the Sasun area of Western Armenia in the eastern region of the Ottoman Empire. Um, he was killed in 1893 by Turkish bandits, uh, Ottoman Turkish bandits, and um, the song was written after his death to not only commemorate his death, um, but to also serve as a wake-up call or a reminder to the quote-unquote children of the nation um, to get up and realize that there's serious things that are about to happen to us. Yeah. It served as a reminder to Arapo's life and death. Um, it's it's changed its name many times. It's it was called Arapo in Yedka, Arapo Song. It was called um, the Song of General or the Song of Fedai, not General, excuse me, uh, Fedai Arapo or Mushetsi Arapo or Mushetsi in Yedka, which is translated to the Song of the Mushetsi. Mm-hmm. But then it became um, popularly known as Zartir Lao. Yeah, yeah, I had. Um I think I've heard the title Arapo Yerka mm-hmm. uh, somewhere before, but most notably Zartir Lao. Um, 
so often in songs, um, we tend to interpret lyrics um, in our own ways, um, even though the writer could have meant it one specific way. Um, but there's a line in in the song. Um, it's Odar Yergider Man Galov Merav Turki Parke Talov. To me, uh, that kind of means that this uh, this person was living in Turkey, uh, working for the working for the Turkey, working for the government. Uh, at the end of the day, after all he gave, they still backstabbed him um, and left him with nothing. Uh, how would you interpret that line? I would interpret it as not uh, something that is directly. Um, you know, falling under Arapo's life, for example, I would say, first and foremost, it's in regards to the Armenians living in Ottoman Empire. They lived in the Ottoman Turkish Empire in, at that time in that region. Um, they lived in a classic in a class system. Excuse me, and the class system placed them, I believe, in the third tier in the class, uh, which was the Christian population. Um, of course, the Armenian Christian population, as well as the Assyrians and the Greeks and what have you. Um, but the class three citizen in the Ottoman Empire had to pay higher taxes than the class two citizen and the class one citizen. And this was happening for a while now. And if this is in the 1890s, it's been happening for a pretty good while now. And um, it's pretty much trying to say that you're living in a place that is ruled by these people that clearly don't like you, they don't like your kin, and they want to subjugate you, they want to erase you, and they want to torture you. Uh, Whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, it's all there. And with those taxes and with everything that's taking place in that system... You're pretty much giving what you have to the Ottoman Empire, to the Turkish government of the time. And um, you're pretty much enabling it at that point without resisting, without standing up, without waking up and doing something about it. So basically, your entire life is unfortunately devoted to the state and that state does not respect you whatsoever. Absolutely. And... Merav Turkim Barkadalov, you died giving what you have to the Turk. So there have been plenty um, versions of Zartilao, but um, why did you specifically choose uh, Levan Katerjan's version? The version that I've chosen by Levan Katerjan um, is the only version that I have on vinyl um, in my collection. And it was purchased by me 
um, during my endeavors and trips and journey, um, pretty much compiling and curating the Silk Road uh, compilation that was released uh, mm-hmm. last year in 2021. Um, Great album, thank by you. the way. Uh, Everybody should go listen to it. Um, where can you find that, by the way? Just a quick plug. Uh, if there's any vinyl left, it should be online in certain record stores or one stops or what have you. Um, it's available on all DSPs, which translates to uh, digital streaming platforms. So you can find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Deezer, and what have you. Um, yeah, it's all there. It's everywhere. Um but the level in Katerjan um, version, um, I found it on my um, digging adventures for that album. Um, I bought 200 to 250 uh, records and um, tapes during my um, yeah journey compiling mm-hmm. that record. And uh, I bought everything and anything pretty much that uh, stood out to me. And um, yeah, level in Katerjan's version is, uh, is interesting. He's a giant. He's a figure in, um, especially in the Lebanese and Syrian Armenian communities, mm-hmm. um, in the seventies and the earlier to, to mid seventies, excuse me. And um, the version that I have was released by Arka Records, um, which was situated in East Hollywood, Little Armenia, mm-hmm. right across the street from Parcelion Records. Wow, and. Um, <laughs> I be, I don't know if Arca Foods is still there, but Arca Records became Arca Foods, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I've, it's, it's I've right listened, there. I haven't visited uh, Little Hollywood. In I don't know a if while, Ar- so. yeah, I don't know if Arca Little Foods Army. is still there, but I think the Seven Eleven across the street is Arca Foods. Technically, now gentrification. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. I think that's where it is. I uh, someone's gotta someone's gonna check that for me. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty good with this stuff, but maybe not this exact Arca record story, but uh, there's a lot of stuff that I can share. But yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's a little uh, fact, uh, sort of factoid thing there. But yeah, the Levon Katerjan version stood out for me because it is the only one that I found on uh, vinyl, the medium. Mm-hmm. That sounds the best, by the way. Yeah, um, sounds great. Yeah, and um, yeah, Zartilao is really important for me and it should be important for everyone that um is armenian um (laughs) for any armenian that doesn't want to lose whatever is remaining of artsakh and armenia like that is that is a very it's a there's a very important movement going on everyone and um to go a little deeper into the song itself um with arapo i mean he was a fedai in the uh the arf and uh, on his way back home from the caucasus he got surrounded by Turkish bandits um, of the Ottoman Empire, and uh, they killed him. They killed him in his home, uh, north of his home, in North Moosh, with um, you know him and his uh, his other Fedai comrades. And uh, the song was written after that. So, yeah, it's a wake up call. It's a lullaby. The, the central figure in the song itself is supposed to be a mother singing to the child, telling the child. To wake up to Zatnir and telling the story of how the Turks are subjugating you, we're enabling them, and enough is enough. Yeah. And um Yeah, it's deep. I'd say I don't know. Sometimes I don't I can't find the words for some of these songs to to really explain mm-hmm. it because sometimes you just have to listen and maybe you know you or me or everyone else 
has to wake up, no pun intended. <laughs> Just listen to the song yeah. and, and feel what you're supposed to yeah. feel. Sometimes all you have to do is listen. Is listen. Yeah. And and the irony of the song itself is that it's sung like a lullaby to put you to sleep, but instead it's trying to arise you from that sleep. Yeah. So I'm interested myself, but I'm I'm sure there there should should be some listeners who are interested in this. But uh how would you go upon searching for these old vinyls that are kind of lost to obscurity? Uh where would you start to, to find them? Uh, I myself found the majority of these records through digging, through going into random stores, um, and just digging the crates. Yeah, for me, record digging is just a hobby. It's also therapeutic for me. I get lost in it, and I find things that I like. I find things that I turn to like. Um, but for everyone um, in this day and age, you can do that as well to support your uh local record stores mm-hmm. um and there's not by the way I, w- I will say there's nothing like digging for records yeah there's yeah. nothing like finding a record that you like or you turn out to like after you purchase it mm-hmm. because for me at least it there's a memory thing that sticks to that experience yeah 100 percent. there's a memory where like you you pick this record and you're like oh i was I was walking somewhere and, you know, I went into this store and I didn't really think I would, you know, and I found this and that and that. And it's like, oh my God, like, I'm going to go back there and I want that feeling again. There's a bunch of feelings that tie into it, but people can do that and people can also find some of these um, older Armenian records or older all sorts of records online. Um, But yeah, I think in my opinion, um, going out there and doing Mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, digging is, uh, it's worth it. And um, there's a lot of fun in it as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, I have uh, a, few, a collection of records that uh, each one uh, holds sentimental value, and each one is, al- is almost a memory tied to it. You know, um, so if you wanted to, if the listener wanted to get into this, um, you know, I, I'd say that, um, yeah, going out to these record stores is definitely the move. And, uh, just dig, just dig. like honestly, don't even don't even go to the stuff that's new and out. Go into the stuff that's like don't like, don't go in with a plan. Yeah, exactly. Don't go yeah. in with the. the yeah. I, I would also like to note. I don't think I've ever mentioned this in any previous conversations that I've had with people that's been recorded or published. I didn't do. I didn't make the Silk Road record premeditatively. Mm-hmm. I just went out there digging, and after I had a bunch of things you know, records and tapes and master tapes and what have you. I was like, you know, I think I'm going to, I think now I can, I have enough that I can work with and license and find the actual comp, you know, like composers, publishers, songwriters and what have you. And, you know, do the whole paperwork and do the right thing and share it with everyone else. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, what you're doing is a, you know, is a great treasure for this community because as I said, a lot of these albums have gone into obscurity, and you're doing you're doing a great work bringing it back into the limelight, and uh, you know, kind of showing our people, you know, this is the music that we used to make, and you know, we can we can still hold these up as great pieces of art today. Thank you. I didn't do it for myself. I did it for everybody else. Yeah. So, Daron, uh, before we uh, leave you today, is there anything that you're working on right now that um, you could let the public know um, or any words of inspiration? 
I'm currently working on new releases on my own record label, which is called Rocky Hill. I just released my first 12-inch of um, deeper house stuff, stuff that will make you do things that you never thought you would do before, <laughs> from the underground, the bad club music. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm working on um, a bunch of other 12-inches on my label, Uh Mainly my own personal um, produced uh, stuff. Nice. Um, the second release should be out in a few months, uh, depending on when my record plant wants to send my records and mm. when it's finished. Um, yeah, I'm always working on stuff, and um, you can you can you know see what I'm working on on social media. I guess I don't really like social media personally <laughs> i don't really post much but um you can find me on instagram at rocky hill records that is the um whatever it's called i don't know what it's called what is it called the username the tagline or whatever i don't even know username whatever I no I don't, hyperlink <laughs> i don't even know what it is i don't know Something I'm, like that. I'm not that old but i'm an old soul i guess uh yeah i mean i only post when i have something to share work wise yeah. or creatively or if it's a show that's uh that's interesting or fun or whatever um yeah um oh thanks <laughs> um yeah but i um working on a bunch of stuff on my label and um yeah i just want to also note that um if there's anybody out there that has any sort of creative ideas or if you think that what you're doing is just a hobby and it'll never become a dream, I mean, it's a dream and it'll never become real. It's okay if it'll never become real, but you can make it a real thing. You can make it a real you can thing. Make yeah. it a real thing if you put time, energy, and effort into it. Yeah. And believe me, the most important thing in doing these things is time. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. time if you can't put yeah. in, if you don't put in the time, yeah, it's not going to happen. Patience and smart business choices as well. Yeah, I don't, I yeah, to. yeah, the business stuff, yeah, it's boring, but you have to do it, you can't escape from that, um, but patience is definitely the key here, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm uh, I'm always here for anyone who needs any sort of um, help or, um, yeah, I don't know, pseudo words of wisdom or what have you, <laughs> I, I always uh, want to help uh, people if they uh, want to reach out to me or come up to me or what have you, I'm a, I'm a normal person, so <laughs> I can help you guys out. Very good. Hi, I can help you out if you want. <laughs> My name is Rafi Semerjan. I'm an artist in uh, multiple disciplines, in music and painting. And uh, one of my favorite Armenian artists is Rupen Akhverdian and his song, Yeza. Rafi, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, So I just wanted to start off uh, 
by asking why is Yeza your favorite, one of your favorite Armenian songs, I should say. Yeah, um, so the why, um, the why came into play a lot in picking uh, the favorite song. Like, why is that my favorite song? I mean, uh, in reality, I, I, I can probably give you a list of ten songs right now just sitting here that I would equally call my favorite in the sense that I would excitedly pull any friend and be, you know, want to listen to it with them and have them absorb it. Um, a lot of songs to me, you know, when I really enjoy a song, that's how I like to consume it is to just kind of isolate myself and really listen to it obsessively. Mm-hmm. And um, recently, a song that captured me in that way was Nanot by Parsel Ganachian. So... My first instinct was, okay, this is one of the greatest Armenian uh, works I've ever heard. I mean, just uh, after the song finished, I felt like I need to listen to it again and again. And I came to the conclusion that, you know, it's a it's literally like a cold bath for uh, for your Armenianism. If you want to kind of be reminded, just um, stop everything and dedicate 13 minutes and listen to Nanot from beginning to end. And you go through so many movements and um, so many stories so, um, yeah, but um, I uh, then stopped for a second and, and thought, you know, uh, it, as far as my favorite goes, maybe I should look towards what's influenced me the most or someone that's spoken to me the most yeah. and someone who's um, shaped and molded, um, you know, my, my first steps into kind of um, one, of, one of the art forms that, you know, one of the crafts I've been pursuing the past uh, you know, 18 years or so in songwriting. The beginning of that was uh, probably the first Rupen Hachverdian CD that came into my hands mm-hmm. and exploring him and tons and tons of songs. It was almost like every year I discovered a new Rupen Hachverdian song and it was like a, a gift, you know, that I could listen to that song and um, simultaneously my Eastern Armenian was developing and getting better. So I was, uh, you know, truly understanding the meanings of these songs and um, I was uh, visiting Armenia often for long periods of time, so I was also uh, living in the settings of these songs. So, uh, in a sense, you know, Rupen Achverdian, Artur Meshjian, and a lot of these, um, you know, songwriters really uh, spoke to me in those, you know, adolescent years going on into my early 20s when I was um, kind of, um, you know, focused in on really listening to the music I liked uh, as opposed to what was all around me, you know, when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I'm, I'm so glad we can talk about this and I have somebody to talk about Ruben because he is my favorite Armenian artist and uh, I, I, what I love so much about him is that you know as we were talking about earlier um, you could just sit down and listen to him like you're listening to an old grandfather telling you a story you know or you're around a campfire and this man is How old are you? I'm 22 Oh grandpa see for me like a father so, father, yeah. <laughs> so like 16 year difference is already enough yeah, yeah for exactly. me it was like a father always yeah absolutely that's <laughs> that's an amazing thing you know it, it's generational mm-hmm. um yeah I was, I was wondering um since you're uh you're very into folk music um is that a reason why he resonates with you so much uh 
man, he re- he resonated with me in so many different ways mm-hmm. over so many different periods as my own musical understanding kind of expanded my own. Um, you know, the way you listen changes as you get older. The way you listen changes as you, you know, um, when you're writing music and playing music. Um, and, you know, initially it's, you know, you're you're kind of at awe with the, like the, the poetic you know, uh, maneuvering the wordplay, the agility of how he just tells a story and like how he fits all those words in and paints a picture so quickly and, you know, moves you from one direction to the other. And he has this accompanying guitar work that is just always on point and, yeah. and almost, you know, he plays for the song. And that's something that kind of happened in my song writing as well as I, you know, I, I definitely always you know, um, put a lot of weight in, in what I'm saying and, and like to be sure of what I'm saying. So to me, you know, someone who has so much to say and can weave it together so beautifully is definitely, uh, you know, someone who I, I want to learn from. And I yeah. think um, we listen and we observe, you know, because we we also want to, you know, we, we want to learn from things. And Absolutely. Yeah, it has. Banoriez. Yev varirai samverch. Sevahoa. When you're talking about um, how he uses the guitar in his songs uh, one song that came to mind immediately was Yete Imanair yeah. he plays this beautiful you know melody on the guitar and the the waltz feel of the guitar uh, rhythm guitar is just, just beautiful it makes you feel like they're floating you know in a dance and it's like a dream Yete Imanair it's, it's, it's like a dream state you mm-hmm. know and I love that um, but I was um, so I was wondering uh, with Yeze um, can you explain a little bit what that means to you mm. you know what you interpret that song as um it's you know it's such a you know it's a powerful song to me because it's uh, it's first of all it's very intense you know mm, I, yeah. I don't know where he starts with this uh, rapid choppy guitar playing so it just uh, catches your attention the rhythm yeah. and he comes in and he just pummels you with uh these i these words so off the bat i i just really stylistically it it just speaks to me in the way the way he he executes it for me you know at a time i i heard this probably you know in my early 20s like i don't know maybe 20 years ago i heard this song um i just kind of i dated myself yes but Mm -hmm. i think it really did <laughs> come at a perfect timing where I was questioning a lot of what's going around. And, and yeah. even nowadays, uh, we're kind of uh, in the same situation yeah, where same from, from every source, you're being told what to believe. And it's on a, a wild level now where it's out of mm-hmm. control. You know, there's um, AIs and algorithms controlling <laughs> it. So we're getting it so so hard nowadays. And um, I think more than ever, you know, so the song still has relevance today. I, yeah. And it's one of the only Rupen songs that I actually um, perform as a cover ever, you know, on stage or publicly. I, I, as much as I love him, this is the only song I've ever played. is because it's the one that spoke to me the most and it's the one that I'll stand by the most. And uh, it's a lesson I've learned the most that you really need to focus on, uh, you know, 
what you believe at the core and really quiet everything and really understand what your purpose yeah. is and what's what's right for you know for yourself and uh, and and be very um, you know there's a nice word like in Armenian and uh, to have that at times where there's so much chaos all around us you know yeah. it will offer us some insight and you know um, yeah but again I I went into too much of a philosophical I I, I don't want to well, you know turn the song into you know uh, uh, beyond what it is is literally you know just kind of an examination of a man who is uh, you know living like a sheep just kind of bowing his head yeah. doing uh, what he needs to do to get by and yeah. um, saying okay to everything yeah some some of my favorite works of art are you know just that they're artists um, being socially aware and telling people to speak when you want to and not speak when you're told to you know mm-hmm. um great example that comes to mind i was just listening to it yesterday <coughs> yesterday's pink floyd's animals mm-hmm. it tells the story yeah. of <clears throat> three divisions you know the pigs dogs and the sheep you know and uh you know the social higher dogs is one of my favorite songs of all time by exactly the <laughs> they had they just released the 2018 uh, uh, 2022 mix the brand mm-hmm. new it's fantastic. Nice, uh, but uh, yeah, I, you know I, that's what, that's probably my favorite Pink Floyd album because of you know the the social um, kind of point the point of view that they have on society. That's what I meant to say. Um, is is so it resonates with me so well. Um, and, yeah, and Rupen and Rupen does yeah. that same thing really well. So when you're choosing between Nanor and Yeze, you had you said you had this uh, kind of internal battle. Yeah, which one to choose? Why is that? Um, again, because you know, um, first thing that popped to my mind was Nanor, and I'm I'm like you know I I found uh, reasons why it would be a good song to yeah. pick. So already I started trying to find the the utility in in sharing a song because obviously. Um, this as a platform is going to you know share share our culture to to yeah. a wider audience and if i had to pick between yeza and um nanor to show uh, a non-armenian i would show nanor first yeah and <clears throat> but you, you know sadly i feel like there's a lot of armenians who haven't heard a work like nanor as yeah. well or haven't given it the time of day I, I shouldn't say a lot of armenians uh, because a lot of armenians have and um, I think we, however, there's <clears throat> a new generation that we need to push this in front of a lot harder and a lot more um, aggressively because. Um, well, uh, I can I can say for my generation that they don't know they don't know this kind of music. Yeah, well, uh, and that's why. So that's that's the reason where I'm thinking. Okay, you know, if, yeah. if High Tube Talks is inviting me on, you know, uh, Yeza is a very selfish choice, and you know, <laughs> so is uh, you know. Uh, some of uh, Rupen Alferdian's messages, you know, it could leave you into this, you know, he paints a, a very selfish state of mind sometimes <laughs> in his songs where he says, I'm going to come home drunk every night and that's yeah. just how it's going to be, you know. Yeah. But of course, there's comedy in there. Yeah. So it's a whole different style of music. It's uh, it's more of a troubadour. It's a more of a lyrical like style of music, whereas Nanot is Armenian. Yeah. Uh, it's an Armenian composition and it's so simple too, you know, it doesn't have the complexity of like a Khachadurian piece. It's, um, that was one of the reasons like Kanachan, 
uh, shown because he uh, he really did keep it simple. He wrote a lot of songs for uh, you know uh, for children to sing mm-hmm. and um, such important work in the diaspora. So yeah. on that side as well, you know, as as a human, as a you know Kordzic, as a person who um, you know works in music. Um, he's a, he's he's in very important, you know, a yeah. student of you know of Gomidas, a colleague of Gomidas. He's you know they work together. He got Gomidas's praise. He he arranged the Armenian national anthem. So yeah. there's so much that Nanur. Well, I just you know slipped it in here too because honestly, it, it I wouldn't have felt right to have just yeah. talked about Yezda. ask themselves what can I do what what can I a single individual do to better our people to better our culture and it can be as simple as listening to these songs you know getting into Nanur getting into Gomidas's music you know it's it's so important and it's so ingrained in our culture that you need it in a way to to become you know the Armenian that you want to be you know yeah, I mean, and I'm sorry, I just got to plug him as well because he's another one that anytime I want one of those cold baths, like I said, where I want to just kind of um, feel like the the deepest <laughs> Armenian I can here yeah. in Altadena, I put on Heidi Muradian, I put him on mm. a cappella, and I, I listen to him for, you know, uh, hours while I paint. And, um, you know, his voice and actually now connecting it back to Parcel Ganachian, you know, and the school of like, you know, this is all coming from Gomidas, you know. It's uh, the, the Parcel Ganachian, you know, uh, said that, you know, the Armenian songs, you know, it's made for just kind of an a cappella voice because mm-hmm. all that soul, all that feeling, really, the voice could, could portray, you know, yeah. and all the instruments. So th- that's why he did so many choral works and. Uh, Heidi Muradian has all these songs that is just his voice and you really don't need any instruments because the instruments are already just playing in your fantasy when you hear his voice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Rafi, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us at your lovely house. Before we leave you, I want to ask um, if you have anything going on that you wanted to 
share with the general public? Um, any words of inspiration? Anything like that? So, uh, uh, currently working uh, heavily on uh, arranging songs and, and recording and uh, playing shows very soon with my band Palm of Granite. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram so you can be in the loop with upcoming shows. Um, and, you know, painting and working, um, you know, as much as I can. Um, it's uh, It's been a blessing to, you know, have the kind of um, support I've had the past, you know, you know, the past 10, 15 years working as an artist in the community and uh, in Armenia and back here. Um, so I'm just trying to make the best of that and do good things and uh, hopefully... I know. Paint a better picture for myself and everyone around me. Absolutely. It's uh, everybody listening. He said it. Please support Armenian artists and, you know, raise their voices. It's it's crucial to our culture. So with that, thank you so much and uh, have a good one. <laughs> thank you. You're listening to Haituk Talks, the official podcast of the AYF West. I'm Gregory Balalian, and we're just a couple of Armenians singing in the world. A couple of Armenians talking in the world.